So now turn to Acts chapter 8. We go back and begin reading in verse 1. I know we've looked at these last couple of weeks, but I want us to go back just refreshing our mind again, beginning in verse verse 1. Now Saul was consenting unto the death, unto his death, talking about Stephen. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and, and Samaria. Except the apostles, they stayed there in Jerusalem. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And for Saul he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere. Everywhere they went, everywhere they were scattered, they went preaching the word. And that's why they were scattered. That's why the Lord allowed the persecution to come. It came for a reason, because none of us would have wanted to leave Jerusalem. Probably most of us had always lived there around Jerusalem. And the Lord is doing a great work there. He saved thousands of believers. But now persecution comes. Why? The seed of Satan hates the seed of the woman. He hates his church. He despises. And that's why all this, persec- this persecution came to try to put out this fire. And instead of putting it out, it spread it. Or Danny telling about the hay catching on fire one time because when that hay is wet, it creates heat. And he said he had it covered with a tarp. Well, he thought, well, I'll uncover the tarp. But when he did, instead of putting out the flame, it just spread the flame. That's like these here. We're going to stop this church. God says, no, you're not. I'm going to use this. And everywhere these people go. Now, now the gospel's just been in this little place. The Lord told his disciples, don't go into any places of the Gentiles, just to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But then before he went, he said, you're going into all the world. But they didn't, now they didn't want to go to all the world. They want to stay right here. And he sent them out, and everywhere they went, they went preaching that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he reigns. Then Philip, verse 5, went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. God gave these people the ability to believe what Philip preached to them. You remember who Philip is. He is one of the first deacons. Him and Stephen were a deacon. They were chosen to serve tables. But they did more than that. They were the able men who preached the gospel. Stephen preached. Philip preached. He preached to these people. And they seeing the miracles, which he did. And the greatest miracle of all was deliver sinners from the bondage of sin. They said, we've never seen anything like this before. One place said, we've never seen anything on this matter before. 
For unclean spirits, crying with loud voices, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. The city that had been in bondage for so many years, now they have reason to rejoice. And it's like a picture of a man, his city, the city of man's soul. There's great joy because we've been delivered. Because we're going to see tonight, these people were in bondage. These people had been deceived for many years. You remember in John chapter 4, our Lord went to Samaria. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. He went through and he not only saved a Samaritan woman at the well, she went into the city and brought back a whole multitude. He said, look on the fields. You say it's four months till harvest. He said, it ain't four months. He said, look, the harvest is ready. And our Lord stayed with that in that city for two whole days. We're not told what he did, but we know he taught and preached the gospel. And you can imagine, after he left, what happened. A bunch of wolves would come in, not sparing the sheep. And that's what happened. But now, it's amazing, he sends them a preacher. He sends them a preacher because that woman said, woman at the well, is not this the Christ? We know that Christ is coming. And when he's come, he'll tell us all things. And he said, I, I'm him. But there was great joy in the city. But look in verse 9. Here's where we'll pick up tonight. There was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, Samaria giving out that he himself was some great one. Here's this man, Simon. He said he'd been here for a great while. And he had deceived the people through sorceries, trickeries. And he made himself out to be some great person. And the people looked at him and admired him as some great person. They thought, oh, he, they want over in a few verses, it says, this man's the great power of God. But when Philip came in, preaching the gospel in the power of God, he set people free where these people had been in bondage by this man who was a sorcerer. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it says, We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedient received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, which is to first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them, his disciples that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. God displayed his power. But Simeon just claimed to have power. Just like in our read it on purpose, those men in Egypt. Aaron, by the authority of God, laid down that rod, which is the authority and power of God. That rod is the rod who opened up the Red Sea. That rod is the rod that broke water out of the rock. That rod is Christ. He laid it down and it turned into a serpent. 
And Pharaoh says, oh, that ain't nothing. He calls his wise men and his magicians and his sorcerers. And they lay down their rod, turned into a serpent. Pharaoh said, see, there's nothing to that. Hold on just a second. Aaron's rod swallowed up theirs. But see, the Egyptians were able to do it through enchantments, deceive men. God had granted these people here ears to hear, and they believed what God had spoken unto them. But here a certain man, he deceived them. How did he deceive them? With sorceries. He bewitched them. They wondered at what he did. They stood amazed. Look, look what he's able to do. How did Simon do it? Through satanic power. Sorcery. Bewitched. All these things, and it, and it, it's really not amazing. It's really sad how men are, and children are wrapped up in, whether it's wizards and warlocks and it's fairies and all these things, it's, it's the supernatural. And this man did it. He did these things. Because they, by honoring Simon, Making this man some great, they honored themselves. Simon's in our city. They said in verse 10, he's the great power of God to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying this man is the great power of God. Nobody was exempt. Nobody questioned it. Does that not sound familiar? You go, how can people be so deceived? The worst time of, of deception is a person who's deceived and don't know they're deceived. You know when they realized they were deceived? When they heard the truth. The truth exposed. He didn't come in preaching against Simon. He didn't come in preaching against sorcery and being bewitched. He did not preach against those things. He preached Jesus Christ. Someone said, if you want to reveal a, crook a crooked stick... You don't talk all day about how crooked the stick is, how off level it is. You lay a straight stick down beside it, and you go, oh, man, that thing's crooked. When you hear the truth, go, they something different. This is different than what that man was saying. That all that man was, what he was doing was to bring attention to himself. And if here's a good mark, the way you can discern a true prophet from a false prophet is they all they're interested in was drawing attention to themselves. All their works they do to be seen of men. And woe unto you when all men speak well of you. And all these people spoke well of Simon. They didn't speak well of Stephen. They didn't speak well of all the other apostles. But they spoke well of Simon because he didn't offend anybody. These people said, here's what they said. They said what was done was done by the power of God. I go back to what Elijah did. You know what he did? He mocked those people. They're doing the same thing. They're thinking by by saying the same words and cutting themselves and repeating themselves, that they can work up something that's not real because, what well, you know what? They serve a God that's dead, a God that cannot hear, he cannot see, he has no feet, he cannot walk. They're dead gods, dead gods. But in the Gentile world, devils pass themselves off as deities. 
We're going to see it when he gets to Mars Hill. They are always wanting to hear or to learn some new thing. And they have all these, he says, you're too superstitious. Isn't that what sorcery is and being bewitched? It's just superstition. Well, you can't walk under a ladder. You can't break a mirror. <laughs> you can't. Do all these things, so you've got to have a rabbit's foot in your pocket. And not only, you may not put a rabbit's foot, but you may hang a cross around your neck. And you think that there's some merit to that. Paul said, you're too superstitious. He said, I've seen an altar over here to the unknown God. They thought, well, maybe there's a God out there we, that we don't know about. And we don't want to offend him. He said, that's the one I'm going to preach to you. That's the one I'm going to preach to you. Those people were in bondage. You know they worshiped Plato, Socrates, and what's some of those other, you know, they, they called them gods. They even thought that, that Paul and Silas was gods come down from the sky. That's what they thought, and that's what men think. Men think that they are deities. Men have been taught that they are gods. They're not gods. There's only one God. And there's only one Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is Lord. He is God. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 13. In this chapter, which speaks also of the, what, what is called the mark of the beast, 666, which is man, man, man. What is the other gospel? It's all about man's. It's all about man's will. And any man, anybody that identifies with false religion, that's what they identify with. They will deceive all those except the very elect. And here it says, And the beast, verse 2 of Revelation 13, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave him power over the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who's able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemy, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. That's not a literal forty and two months, you know that. These are allegories. But he's saying that God has allowed him to have power. For a determined amount of time. When people will not bow to the gospel, God will send them strong delusions and they will believe a lie. That they ought, might be all damned who would not believe the truth. You better be thankful a million times God opened your eyes to the truth, to him that is truth. But all the world, they wonder at it. They say, look, look, it's just so amazing. And you know, and if you'll turn over with me to 2 Timothy chapter 8, I mean chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3. Now those men's names are not mentioned in the Old Testament who served Pharaoh and who were the magicians. Their names were not mentioned. But here the Apostle Paul mentions two names. Now as Janus... And Jambres withstood Moses 
as they withstood him, as he cast down his rod, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, verse 9, for their folly shall be made manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. We're going to see that Simon's folly is going to be exposed. But as they withstood Moses, these people withstand the truth. Now, can you imagine Simon? Here he is. He has great authority. And people admire him. They admire what he says. And now they're turning away from him. And he can't do anything about it. Because the power of God is able to translate people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. And they were set free. And he's going, there's something about this. This is more than what I can do. I can trick people. I can deceive people. And I can do certain things. But you know what they cannot do? You know, men, men... Men get most of their doctrine. A lot of false doctrine comes from the book of Acts. They think they have power to raise the dead. They have power to heal the sick. And they deceive men with these things. I want to see them raise somebody from the dead. They can't. Paul could. Peter could. Could they heal the sick? They sure could. Because God gave them the ability and the power. And when the apostles died off, that died with them. We don't need that now. You know why? You have a complete revelation of God. You've got 66 books, and it tells us everything we need to know about the Son of God and his glory and redemption and about ourselves. That's what we, that's what we have. That's why he gave it unto us. But they didn't have these things. They didn't have these things. They were infatuated to believe a lie. You know, it's easier for men to believe a lie than it is the truth. It's like Jacob. He believed in the lie for 17 years that Joseph, his son, was killed by a wild animal. No, he wasn't. He's alive the whole time. But when his sons come back after they meet Joseph and Joseph reveals himself, they come back and tell their daddy the truth. They said, Daddy, you're not going to believe this. Joseph's alive. He said, I won't believe it. You talk to men. I said, I ain't never heard that before. You know why? The only way you can ever believe the truth is God's grace enable you to believe. It's a miracle of grace. It's not a work of man. If someone can talk you in salvation, somebody else can talk you out. To him, verse 11, they had regard because that for a long time, he had bewitched him with sorceries. What I see by that, what do you mean by a long time? This generation believed that. I, could, I can tell you what my grandmother believed. I can't see her heart, but I can tell by her actions. I didn't know my mother that well because I was young when the Lord took her. I know pretty close. I know where we went to church, and I know what they preached there or didn't preach. And I know it now. So that's three generations. That's a long time. And when most of us believe, most of us believe when we believed in religion. Well, mama and dad, grandpa, grandma has to be right. Mama has to be right. And we have to be right because we ain't going against them. But for a long time, 
This has been going on a long time. People say, well, you know what the Bible says, and you know it doesn't say that. You know what they say, before Christ comes back, you won't be able to tell the difference between the seasons. That ain't what it says. He said, till seed time and harvest, it won't stop. No people say that. And why did they say that? That's what they've heard. Well, you know, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, who's he talking about? You see what I'm saying? For a long time, he has bewitched them. Till men hear the truth. Till they hear the truth. But look in verse 12. But when they believed Philip's preaching, he didn't say they believed in miracles. They did see miracles and they did see signs. But what did they believe? They believed the preaching. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How does God save people? By hearing the gospel. Till a man hears the gospel. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody's told you. Without the gospel being preached to you, you cannot be saved. That's an impossibility. People said, I was saved before I heard the gospel. No, you wasn't. You might have been religious, but you wasn't saved. A man can't call upon a God he's never heard of. But they believed. Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And they manifested that they believed and were baptized, both men and women. You know, baptism is not a sacrament. Baptism is not a means whereby grace is conferred unto you. Baptism is a say, it's saying that when Christ died, I died. And I'm buried under the water. But you don't stay under the water. You come forth like a man raised from the grave to walk in newness of life. And that's what it is. We are identifying with that. I am confessing that Jesus Christ himself put away my sin. And he gave me life. And when he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. And when he arose from that grave, all that were in him arose with him. We're not saying, that he, we're not saying he tried to save us. We're saying he saved us. They were all baptized, confessing him. Look in verse 13. Then Simon himself believed. And we're going to see he didn't believe until the saving of his soul. He basically pretended to believe. And he may have convinced himself that he really believed because he doesn't know the difference. But why do you think he pretended to believe? Because he don't want to lose his following. Because if he don't, if he don't say he believes and consents unto baptism, what's what's everybody gonna think that followed him? So he's doing this even in deception, because his heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. But he said, "I believed." But what I want you to see here is, there's no perfect church. Every church has wheat and tares. It has sheep. And goats. And Philip can't see that man's heart. I can't see your heart. You can't see my heart. So Philip, he, he didn't question the man. The man said, I believe. Okay. Let me tell you a little story. Years ago, we didn't have a, a baptistry, so we would go out at the lake, and there was a, a boat dock there, you know, and it was concreted out in the water, so we'd go out and have baptisms. 
we just got through, and here walked up a man, and I've never had anything like this ever happen before then or after then. This man walks up. He said, would you baptize me? I never seen him in my life. And I said, uh, what are you supposed to say? I said, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? And he said, yes, I do. I said, let's be baptized. I couldn't see the man's heart. And, you know, he went, we went in, and I baptized him. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he got up, and I can still see him now walking right up the shore of that lake. I don't know who he was. He could have been an angel unawares. You know, isn't that amazing? I mean, I don't know. I can't see a man's heart. We can't see a man's heart. When's a man to be baptized? When a man says, I believe in Christ, I want to confess Christ. Okay, we're going to have a baptism. Lord sees the Lord's only one sees the heart. And Simon himself also believed him when he was baptized. He continued with Philip. He didn't just come and leave. He continued with him. Can you imagine the things that Philip told him? This man was instructed. You know, Simon had questions, probably legitimate questions. And he wondered, and watch this, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. It didn't say that he wondered at what Philip said. He wondered at what Philip did. He wondered, beholding the miracles and signs. And they were miracles and signs. Why did God... Why did he give these miracles? To prove to the world that these men were sin of God. God bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with bearing with divers miracles. He bared them witness. These are my servants. These are my servants. And he continued beholding the miracles that were done. Now when the apostles, let's stop right there. Can you imagine, Simon, he, he, he seems to believe. If they were gathering together, he was right there with them. He may have been the most zealous of the bunch. And everything seems fine. He's been baptized, and if they give him the right hand of the fellowship, they give him the right hand of fellowship. And the people in Jerusalem hear about it. They hear about these people in Samaria that, that are believing the gospel, and they're excited. So all the apostles are there, and they choose out Peter and John, Peter didn't choose somebody and send them down there. Peter's not like the Catholic Church says over the Catholic Church. He goes down because they trust him, and they trust them all. But they said, Peter, you and John go down there and, and talk, sit those people down there in Samaria. They may need some help. So he goes down there. Now, when the apostles were at Jerusalem, they heard. How did they hear? They didn't get, they didn't get a text. <laughs> they didn't get an email. And this was a pretty good ways off. Word travels. They heard. Can you imagine, Kurt, when they heard? They were just, why I'm tickled to death. You mean God is showing mercy to those Samaritans? Well, sure he is. They believed Christ. They were deceived for years. Now they believe. They heard that the Samaritans had received the word of God. They sent them Peter and John. Whom, when they were come down, when Peter and John were come down to Samaria, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. You said, Well, I thought they had the Holy Spirit. They did. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? Here's where men get this second work of grace. How did you believe? God enabled you to believe. 
God come into your heart and give you a new heart and a new mind. But they had not received the Holy Spirit like they did on the day of Pentecost. Peter and John, those men, they were already saved before the day of Pentecost. But when the, this someone said, Gil said, this is like their Pentecost. That when he laid hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit, what was the evidence of the Holy Spirit? They speak with tongues. <coughs> not unknown tongues. Tongues, languages. Hmm. You see where they get it? You get, you get saved or whatever, and you just get part of the Spirit. Now, you need the second work of the Spirit, so you need the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the way you get the feeling of the Holy Spirit is, or the evidence of that, is you're going to speak in unknown tongues. You said, how do you know that? I know people dear to my heart that have went through those things. They worked with this lady who was wrapped up in that. And that lady said, would you like to know how to speak in tongues? And they said, yes. So she went over to her house. They went back in the back room. And she said, you just open yourself up and ask it to come in. And I guarantee you, if you open yourself up, it will come in. And deceived. And she said, always telling you, you need to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. I was baptized by the Spirit of God in the regeneration of grace. But this was the evidence. This was something they could see. They wondered. You imagine this. What a miracle that God enabled a man to speak in a language to somebody else he'd never seen. And it doesn't say he laid his hands on all of them, on some of them. And he prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. He prayed for them. Peter doesn't have that. He prayed that God would do this. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And they did. What do you think Simon thinks? In verse 18, and when Simon saw, like I said, he think what he heard is what he saw. He saw, now this, 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 the apostles had this power. This is a transition period in the church. When Peter laid his hand on a man, the Spirit of God came upon him. It talked about Ananias going into Saul. He was blind for three days, and Ananias said, the Lord told him, said, go in and say, Ananias, receive your sight, and his eyes were opened. But he saw by the laying on the hands. That's why you hear all these people that's laying on the hands. Let's lay hands on you. I'd like to lay hands on some of them and just throw them out. But they, that's what they were wanting to lay. They all get about all this laying on the hands. Nothing them with oil. And the apostles, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the hands, the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given unto them, he offered them money. How much, would, how much would it take, Cheryl, to you to teach me how to do that? Don't you know that's probably how them sorcerers did? Would you show me how to do that, Kurt? How much, how much money you need? How much money you got? Because if I can have this, I can not only, I'll give you money, but in return, I'll make money off this. That's what he's after. Look how they deceive men. Look 
years ago that PTL, Jim Baker, praised the Lord. They, I mean, they just, then all those other ones that was on TV, all these so-called TV evangelists, and they'd send them money and all these prayer clothes, and they just drained people, drained them. You've heard me say, I, I saw this man. Knew him, knew you well. He was wanting to go up in Alaska. He was wanting to go visit a missionary, and he came to my grandma and grandpa's. They didn't have a lot of money, and they were wanting to buy, get a ticket to go up to Alaska. They didn't have the money, and my grandpa told my grandma, said, go ahead and get the money and give it to her. And then he said, well, my wife, she'd really like to go too. And my grandpa said, we'll give you the money for that ticket too. And you know when he would come see my grandma? Every first of the month. You know why he come first of the month? It's when she got her little check. That about makes me mad. That's what we see right here. And we still see it today in religion. They don't. He said, you make merchandise of men's souls. You use men to line your pockets. He said, you devour widows' houses. You don't care for widows. And for a pretense, you make long prayers. <clears throat> this man, Simon, he heard the truth. He'd seen these things, but he still doesn't believe. To think that you can purchase the things of God? He offered him money. and He wouldn't have done it if he had not hoped to get money. Give me the power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Give me this power. I want to lay hands on they can receive the Holy Ghost. But you know what? Peter ain't deceived. And if you'd seen somebody offering money, you'd opened your eyes too. You said there's something wrong here. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about the Lord. And Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee. He said, You're, you're going to perish, and your money's going to perish with you, because thou hast thought that the gift of God might be purchased with money. He said, That's what you thought. Your thinking was all wrong. You know what's wrong? Men's thinking's all wrong. You think <clears throat> you can purchase the kingdom of God, and it's not with money, but men think that they can purchase forgiveness by something they do, don't they? They think I can purchase it. I can earn it. He said, verse 21, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this manner, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Peter couldn't see his heart, but what was in his heart was manifested on the outside. Now, the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Why did he say, I want you to, I want you, I want to buy this from you? His heart was wicked. Wicked. He went on, look how far he went. He maybe joined this church and he was baptized and all, but he never believed. Never really believed. <coughs> Verse 21, thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Boy, he's heard something now. Peter didn't do this to impress this man. Peter laid his hands on those people because that's what God commanded him to do. And God's going to use these people in a special way. And this man sees it and says, boy, I love to have that. You know what? 
Let me tell you this. People that don't know God, they would love to have what you have and know what you know, and they know they don't have it, and they know they don't know it. Someone, I heard someone tell someone one time, one claimed to be a believer, and they wound up by, by their actions that they were not a believer, and then God saved somebody else, and they said, that's not fair. God gave them peace and won't give me peace. He gives peace to whom he will. <clears throat> you can't earn it to work for it. He said, verse 22, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray to God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Repent. He tells him what to do. Repent of your wickedness and pray to God that maybe perhaps, the th- what's this, the thought? That the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. What's the main issue here? It is a heart work. God had changed these people's hearts. That's why they wanted to be baptized. This man believed, but he never had a changed heart. You know why you believe? God gives you a new heart. Out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts. These thoughts, these vain thoughts. That the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Maybe God would show you mercy. Verse 23, For I perceive by what you've said that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquities. Like I said, we can't see someone's heart, but we can see what this man said. We can see how people act. And like I told you about that preacher, we can't, I can't see that man's heart, but there's something wrong. Something wrong. You see people that do that, there's something wrong. You see men who stand and claim, you know, all they're after, they're all they're after is to line their pockets. And it's evident. Maybe thou be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness, in the bond of iniquity. Bitterness is sin. The gall of bitterness. In the bond of iniquity. Sin is an abominable thing which our Lord hates. This is a mind, the gall of bitterness against all that's good. In the bond of iniquity, bound over to the judgment of God by the guilt of sin, bound under the dominion of Satan by the power of sin. This man's bound by wicked heart. Let me tell you this. You know, the Bible says Satan is able to take these people captive at his will. And if you need to pretend to believe, he'll let you pretend to believe. The devil believes and trembles, but he's not a believer. He's not born again. He's not been set free. But then answered Simon. And he said, pray ye, for the, pray ye to the Lord for me. Why didn't he pray? He said, why don't you pray for me? Now, I, I need you to pray for me, but I must ask God for mercy. I must ask God to give me repentance according to belief of the truth, that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me, and they were already come upon him. He just didn't know it. But you know, when this man was exposed, when the light came in, 
And he, everybody else had seen what this man did, but no man can do what this man did. I guarantee when, I, when Paul was preaching that night and he was long preaching and a young boy was sitting up, well, I picture him like in a barn and way up in the third loft, and he fell asleep and fell over out of that loft and he fell over dead. I wouldn't have raised that man from the dead. I would have got my attention. God did these things for a reason, but when these men died out, they, did, we didn't, they didn't do miracles. They didn't need those things anymore. You know what we have? We have the preaching of the gospel. And that's what Peter said. You're in the gall of bitterness, the bond of iniquity. He was playing with that man. He got right to the point. He said, your problem is a heart problem. You think that the things of God can be purchased with money? And he said, you pray that none of these things come upon me. In verse 25, and they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem. They stayed a little while longer. They preached the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. He rules and he reigns over all things. I'm glad it can't be purchased with money because I have none. It can't be purchased by good, good works because I have none. I don't ain't, Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I claim. That's salvation. You know what? Those that have been taught know this. And we know our minds are jumbled up at times. We believe that he's the Christ. And they preached and they returned to Jerusalem. And watch this, and they preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. They didn't preach just in one place. Everywhere they went, you know what you found them doing? Preaching. Right, now, they may cast out devils. They may do these things. But the main thing is, what are they doing? They're preaching. They, never, they went everywhere doing what? Preaching. Not everybody can do miracles. Philip can't lay his hands on men and they receive the Spirit. He didn't have that ability. He was not an apostle. But he could baptize men. He could preach the gospel. He did what God called him to do. And we're going to see next week, Philip goes down to the Ethiopian eunuch and preaches the gospel to that man. And what we're called to do, preach. And what you're called to do, support the preaching. What is our job as a church? To send it all over the world so that men may hear the preaching of the gospel. We signed the thing today, Jim, for another year on the radio. You know, we've been on radio nine years. We haven't seen a lot of results. The Lord just said, you preach. And we leave it in the Lord's hands. And they preached to them Samaritans. What did they preach? Jesus is the Christ. God made him Lord. God, he, they didn't say, would you please make Jesus Lord of your life? Would you not let him come in? He's, he's standing on the portals of glory just crying his eyes out and wringing his hands because you won't let him do something. Oh, no. They said that Jesus that you crucified, God made him Lord. And God set him on the throne. And he rules and reigns over all men. And like they said in Acts chapter 2, what must we do to be saved? This man heard and never believed We'll see him next week. He sends him to another man, an Ethiopian eunuch. Ethiopia is a long ways off from Jerusalem. 
How's he going to get the gospel to Ethiopia? He's going to save an Ethiopian <laughs> who's going to go back home and tell those people about someone that loved him and gave himself for.